Last week I uh, shared some reflections on this quality of patience and the importance of patience in our lives and in our spiritual practice. And tonight I'd like to share with you about, you could say, a close cousin, at least a close cousin in, in Buddhism, around forgiveness. Uh, and it's interesting, in early Buddhism, the, uh, in Pali, Pali is the early scriptural language of, of Buddhism, the word for patience is kanti, or kamba, and both of those words are sometimes translated as forgiveness, which I find interesting, that there's an, uh, almost an equating with patience and forgiveness. And, and, uh, and I want to point out, like in early Buddhism, the, the, the notion of quote-unquote forgiveness was a little bit different than the way we understand it, and I might get into that a little bit, but I think it's interesting to get a little bit different angle. And as I said, I'm just going to be offering reflections, and then you get a sense of how they fit or not around this, this uh, theme of forgiveness, how it's relevant for your life and living your life. How is it relevant for freedom in your life? And how is it relevant for freedom in your community or the world that you live in? And I think on one end of the spectrum, what I found is that it's, it's potentially, it has this potential to be uh, this powerful gateway into deep compassion. Deep compassion for ourselves, at least this is what I've noticed, the importance of forgiving myself. And also the power that it has of eliciting deep compassion around others. And I can really make it into um, forgiving. And to me, it's this gateway that, that allows me to touch my own humanity as well as the humanity of others. And maybe to begin just with one example, this, this happened a number of years ago, and it's interesting how this continues. There was a woman by the name of Mary Johnson, and her uh, 20-year-old son was murdered. And, uh, and, of course, she was not only distraught, but upset and angry. And also, just to remember, you know, that there's nothing like losing a child. You know, especially that bond between mother and child, and, and they were quite close. And yet, she had this intention to be in the world in a different way, and and she made the bold move of wanting to meet uh, meet O'Shea. His, his name was uh, the the perpetrator O'Shea Israel. And so he, she started to go to visit him in prison. And over the years, they started to make this relationship between each other. And at first, it was very difficult. But she finally got to this point of wholeheartedly forgiving this man for murdering her son. And there was so much of a connection that when he got out of prison, he moved in right next door to her. And they became so close, like she calls him now her spiritual son. And this has been going on, I think, for a couple of decades now. And, and just a few years ago, she got married. And O'Shea uh, was the, one of the groomsmen in her wedding. To me, that's the power of forgiveness. To allow ourselves to be in the world in a different way and allowing the world to be different a moving forward 
both for Mary, both for O'Shea. So I think it, it does have this this potential to be this powerful gateway into compassion that can be so transformative. And yet I, I also want to point out it's potentially problematic, both individually and collectively. And I, I also want to name that too. There's been quite a bit written about you know, the, the complexity of forgiveness. And I want to acknowledge, and I think this is why multiplicity is so important in a community, that forgiveness doesn't fit for everyone all the time. And it might not fit for every context. And I wouldn't want to be up here dictating who should be you know, forgiving when and where and why. It's complex. There's an interesting uh, organization website uh, called The Forgiveness Project. And it's interesting because there are a lot of deeply moving stories, like the story I just shared with you of, of Mary Johnson and O'Shea Israel, that, that I find really inspiring. But also I, I appreciate on this, this website they also have these comments and these perspectives from people who have a different view of forgiveness, that find it problematic in certain cir- circumstances that, that they've been in, or want to problematize asking someone for forgiveness, which is tricky, right? You've, you've harmed someone, and then yet you're going to do this extra thing of asking for forgiveness. At times, for some people, that might be a tricky thing to do, engage in. And also, there's a complication around forgiveness on what I call the systemic level that I think is important just to name, and especially how forgiveness and let's say mercy can get entangled with uh, justice or a justice system and how these notions of forgiveness can be deeply moving but also complicated. So one, one example of this just here in Flagstaff, which I found so interesting. So I did a, it was a few years ago, I did a ride-along with a, one of our police officers in town. It's a whole story of why I would do that, but it was really important for me to do that. And I asked the police officer this question of like, you know, I've heard that, I, I think this is true. He said it was true. I've heard that if, if you're caught peeing outside, that's a <laughs> felony. Isn't that true? It's a felony if you, get, if, if you get caught, you know. And so I was asking him, what's up with that? Like, you know, have you arrested someone like that? And what he said was really interesting. He said, well, you know, you know, if it's, you know, college kids can do stupid things and things like that. I'm not going to. I'm not going to arrest a college kid for doing that. You know, I totally can relate to that. And then what ensued from that was, it's that law is for those other people. And so, so here we have an example of, I think is really wonderful. It's great to have mercy, having compassion, understanding for college students. I want to be clear, it's not like I'm against college students. <laughs> But do you hear what's implied or the bias that's in that kind of forgiveness? Right? So who does that include? It, it includes probably people living on the streets that are struggling with poverty quite often. Often mental illness is at play, and there's more of a predominance of people of color in this community that would fit in that. 
And so here we have this system, and I, he was just thrown into a system, a system of, of some people sometimes getting more mercy or forgiveness than other people. And this is how our justice system kind of works. Like the uh, United States Sentencing Commission, I think this was maybe last year or uh, the last few years, came out uh, on a report on sentencing disparities. And, and they discovered that black men who commit the same crimes as white men receive fed- federal prison sentences that are on average nearly 20% longer. And this is after, uh, after controlling for a wide variety of, of factors, including age, education, citizenship, weapon possession, and prior cr- criminal hi- history. So, right, sometimes there's a, there's the, the heart is open in some ways and not in other directions. So it's the, the challenge of forgiveness. And some of you might remember in October this, this came to light with the, with the, the, uh, the woman who was a, Dal- a Dallas police officer who had killed an unarmed black man. And there's a whole discussion about forgiveness and who gets forgiven and who doesn't get forgiven, especially around racial lines. So I name that because I, I, I do feel forgiveness is powerful for our lives. But I, I think it would be disingenuous of me to say that it's not problematic at times as well. And for me to live a spiritual life is to be aware of these things when I engage in any kind of spiritual practice like forgiveness. Like, how do I hold that and how do I see it play out in, in my society? And I think that's a, an authentic way of moving forward in a spiritual practice, to, to reflect deeply on these practices, how they impact our communities and ourselves. And it segues into a, an important facet of this path and even this community, which I mentioned at the beginning, is, is this notion that any kind of spiritual practice that we talk about here or that I engage in, what's important for me is not to what, what's called universalize it. So what that means is, it, is, it, is it's everyone should do this or everyone should do this all the time because there could be something harmful about that just given what I'm sharing right now. So another way of, of understanding this is that when I share, I'm, I'm sharing you with you descriptions of ways of practicing rather than prescriptions. Right? You go to a doctor, you get a prescription, and it's really good to follow the prescription. This is more of a description, and then your job is to get a sense of how this fits. And yet, and yet, as I said, forgiveness can be powerful. It can open the heart. It can lead to ease and freedom in our lives and other people's lives. How to understand what forgiveness is. And so I, I want to give kind of a beginning definition just to be clear what I'm talking about because it's used differently in different spiritual tr- traditions. One way that's been helpful for me to understand it is it's this act of letting go of resentment or letting go of the obsessive judgment 
or the turmoil that happens sometimes when I get deeply hurt. And all that's happening is it's just churning in me. And it seems like that's where it's staying. Is it's, it's like somebody gave me a gift and like I'm just, I can't let go of it. And forgiveness allows that, that letting go of resentment. Or as put, uh, I think, so succinctly, which I appreciate, is that forgiveness is giving, hope, giving up hope for a better past. Because that's what I'm hoping for, a better past, things to be different. And having that coupled with this aspiration to be here, to be here in my life. So this kind of forgiveness. So letting go of, of resentment in terms of uh, forgiveness, like how do we understand this? And this kind of practicing of, of forgiveness, I'm going to put in this domain of, of compassion for myself, that one of the reasons I want to engage in forgiveness is because how I benefit from it. And that's part of this practice is I do want to benefit from it. I, I count too in these equations. And there is a rabbi that, that spoke to the, the power of this for ourselves of forgiving, forgiving and uh, this uh, 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 rabbi, Rabbi Kushner. And somebody asked him, which in some ways I'm a little hesitant to even ask the, uh, share the question because sometimes I think there's something, um, I don't know, a little bit far afield when, when these kinds of questions are asked in Jewish communities. Yet anyway, somebody asked him if he would ever forgive Hitler. And what he said, he said something like, yes, I'd forgive Hitler. It doesn't mean that what he did was okay. But when I let the resentment go, it means he can't make me contribute more money to a Holocaust memorial than I do to Jewish children. I find this really interesting because he's seeing that, oh, if I don't let go of resentment, it fuels how I am in the world. It fuels where I give money. And it might not be, I might not be freely giving money. I might be giving money out of my resentments. And what is he saying? Oh, I want to give money out of my heart instead. I don't want Hitler to control how I give money. Do you hear how forgiveness can be empowering for ourselves? And then that person, those people aren't driving our lives anymore. What a cool thing to let go of resentment, to have that freedom rather than carrying it around with us. The writer Rebecca Solnit puts it well, this other direction of forgiveness that I'm talking about. She says, maybe the word forgive points in the wrong direction. And since it's something you mostly give to yourself, not anyone else. In forgiveness, you put down the ugly weight of old suffering, untie yourself from the awful, and walk away from it. This is what I find. Forgiveness can be empowering and freeing for myself. 
so I don't remain pinned down by the shackles of resentment. So forgiving, forgiving others to lay down this burden. And it's not only that, right? Forgiving others, maybe you've noticed this, when I can get to the point, and I want to really point out, it's such a process. But it feels like there can be this also softening, right? Softening around others. And what, what that requires first is of forgiving of myself and the skill of forgiving myself. When I'm the kind of quote-unquote perpetrator of the hurts I cause myself or hurts I, I cause others. Can you allow your heart to soften around your own mistakes and imperfections? Have you noticed sometimes that's the toughest person to forgive? You're like me, man, we can be so tough on ourselves. Yes, taking responsibility. I, I want to take responsibility for the mistakes I made. And I've noticed beating up on myself doesn't seem like it's helped me with that responsibility. And I think that's the question, one of the questions I want to leave you. Can you touch your own humanity? So you can soften and see part of being a human is making mistakes, having imperfections, or as some people put it, touching our own brokenness. And I want to point out that, that I find it uh, quite a ticky, tricky thing because sometimes when I've done something unskillful, I've made a mistake, like through my words. Like this is something that you know, we explored a little bit. We had this whole wise speech retreat this weekend and just grappling and exploring the, the trickiness of speech and how easy it is to hurt others with that. And for me, the trickiness is that sometimes when I do something that is unskillful, it can just lead to shame and guilt, which I don't find helpful. And, in, and on a spiritual path, what we're looking for is, is not taking the road of shame and guilt, but of regret, of healthy regret. Those of you who have been here before, I've, I've talked about this quite a bit, that, that I like to distinguish shame and guilt from regret. Like There's these, these two guardians of the world in early Buddhism that, that uh, the Pali words are hiri and utapa, and one of them is regret and moral concern. So regret is I do something that's unskillful and afterwards it's like, wow, I regret doing that. And at the same time, but I'm an okay person. It's just there's, there's an unskillful action that I engaged in. But it doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. And this is really important. Whereas shame is about I do something unskillful or sometimes I don't even do something unskillful. Sometimes I just feel shame even when I do something skillful, right? <laughs> it can be really pervasive. But it, it's always about, I'm worthless, there's something wrong with me, I'm a bad person. Regret is really different. Regret, I think, is wonderful because it gives me the sting 
to be in the world in a different way where I don't beat myself up. And one of the skills I need to really land healthy regret, skillful regret, is forgiveness, to be able to forgive myself. Can you allow your heart to soften around yourself? Brian Stevenson, maybe some of you know him, he's a great lawyer that's been influential in our um, these days. He says, there is a strength, a power even, in understanding brokenness. Because embracing our brokenness creates a need and desire for mercy, or we could say for compassion. And perhaps a corresponding need to show mercy. When you experience mercy, you learn things that are hard to learn otherwise. You see things you can't otherwise see. You hear things that you can't otherwise hear. You begin to recognize the humanity that resides in each of us. And I think this is the connection to forgiveness towards others. Not only for myself, but for them as well, my relationship with them. When I, can, when I realize that I make mistakes and I'm imperfect, my heart softens around when other people make mistakes and are imperfect. I see that that's not all of them. That's just an act that they did. So they say hurt people. What do hurt people do? They hurt people. That's what happens. Alexander Solzhenitsyn puts it well. He says, if if it were only so simple, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of their own heart? complex. What is it to forgive someone, to see with compassion other people? And I want to be clear that forgiving is different than condoning what someone did. It's not about condoning or accepting what someone did. It's also, from a Buddhist perspective, it's not about absolving another person of their responsibility. So in Buddhism, that doesn't come from forgiveness. Actions have consequences. And it's about maintaining healthy boundaries. Those are some of the things that can get confused about around around forgiveness. Forgiveness is something different. And I want to point out that it's a process and it has its own rhythm to it. And that there's a time to forgive and a time not to forgive. At least this is what I've noticed. Now the, maybe the, the clearest one is just if you think of our mammalian physiology, if someone is, has hurt me 
and is continuing to hurt me, like that is still an ongoing situation, my physiology does not feel safe enough to, authentic, authentic, yeah, to authentically forgive. And there's a good reason for that. <laughs> it's called a sense of protection. And sometimes the kind of forgiveness that gets engaged in is, is more of a submissive behavior for protection, which, I, again, I don't want to dismiss that. There's a place for that, for our survival or our protection of taking care of us. In light of that, it's important not to force forgiveness, that there's a rhythm to it. And as I said, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to press this on anyone. There might be times where it's, it feels inappropriate. This idea that you have to get to a place where you forgive, I don't know if that's the case. It's something that you have to explore and discover for yourself. I found it potentially powerful at times, but at times maybe not, I don't know. I want to leave that as a question. So as I said, these are just beginning reflections on this practice of forgiveness toward yourself. How is that relevant for you, the skill of forgiving yourself? How is it relevant for you to forgive other people? Are there circumstances that it's applicable to reflect upon, to get a sense? And what we'll be doing is we'll be sitting mostly in silence. I'll be guiding us into it uh, for about a half an hour. And then at the end of that, I'll be uh, taking us through just a a short guided forgiveness practice. And during that, you get a sense of of how much of that you want to engage in or not, just to explore this. And it'll be forgiveness around ourselves and then around others. And for the sit... I'm hoping you're hearing one of the essential aspects of forgiveness that, that's threaded through what I've been sharing. And that's my heart softening. Because when I'm filled with resentment, for me, just poetically, what it feels like is my heart is not soft. It's not so- soft towards myself and it's not soft towards others. And one of the things I've learned in just in sitting meditation and being present, was it like to be present and to allow the heart to be soft to however this moment is. What's that like for you to have that quality as we sit you know, for, for 30 minutes now in the sitting meditation? In light of that, since we're be sitting, beginning to sit in uh, just a minute or two, I invite you to, if you need to, to stand up and move around and uh, just for a minute or so, just to uh, give your body a break, and then we'll begin with our silent sitting meditation. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.